0: this episode, I give a Jets-Colts prediction, we talk sandwiches, and when was I wrong <laughs> last? Gary V Nerd Chuck, and this is episode 141 of the Ask Gary V show. Super pumped. Uh, This is a Friday. It's really Thursday. As you can tell, I taped the night before. That's what was Thursday's episode. Uh, And I'm leaving for a wedding on Friday, but Friday's episode, which is the official Jets prediction show, so I'm excited to give you my two cents on that. Uh, I'll save that for the end of the show. I'm gonna gonna be like a TV show where you save the good stuff for the end to make them watch all the way through for the ratings. Um, I'm in a good mood. And uh, Stunwin, let's get into The show! He expected me to do something to see. I got, that was good, right? I killed him on that. I got you on that one, because you were trying to figure out when my cadence was, I went in for it. You're a bad person. Bad, bad. I'm a bad. (laughs) I'm a bad bad man. David asks, what would you do if you were the new CEO of Twitter? How would you turn that ship around? David, I would do a couple things. One, I would recognize that the data that we're collecting on a daily basis is disproportionately valuable to a lot of real-time marketers and real-time data analysts. You saw a Bloomberg Twitter JV come across the headlines for me, I haven't read it yet, but that's exactly where I'd go. Um, Putting my money where my mouth is. Uh, I invested in a company called Data Miner years ago that uh, I felt Twitter would or should buy or become a big company on the backbone of that. Uh, I would also recognize that normal people don't understand Twitter. Twitter as a product is not as easy to understand as Facebook and Instagram, and that is a friction point. When you look at the data that shows how many people have signed up for Twitter but then have not been active, that's a vulnerability, so I would hire the single best product guy uh, that I could, or gal. Uh, uh, and so product person would be very, very, very high on my list. I would not guess, I would poach uh, with all my ability with disproportional economics and give them as much stock as I had to from a Facebook or an Instagram or things of that nature. Um, uh, I would probably uh, make a very aggressive, play. I, uh, I would change the logo of the bird Uh, I would probably change it to a cat and have the cat eat the bird as a symbolic uh, notion to it's a totally different company. So I think you'd need a branding play that would change the optics. So I would change the logo from bird to a cat. uh, I would tell Wall Street that uh, they should start selling my stock now because I'm not gonna be a CEO that's gonna confine itself to making numbers on an every 90 day basis and that I have empathy for that's how they have their business. Um, and uh, I probably only would have gotten a job as CEO of Twitter if uh, I communicated that to the board and the biggest stockholders who then clearly weirdly allowed me to go become the CEO because they wouldn't care about their stock price over a 24 month period because it would go way, way down uh, because my behavior is more predicate on business building, not so much Wall Street appeasing. Um, so there's a lot of things that I, I, I would do. Uh, I would also recognize that Twitter is one of the true social networks, that the value in listening is very big on Twitter, whereas Instagram, Pinterest, Facebook, uh, you know, Tumblr, they are, Snapchat, it's pushing content out. It's more of a content management system, a CMS, where Twitter has a lot of listening capabilities. It is where you have a conversation. It is the place you go for now when something happens in the world because people want to talk. Uh, you know, starting to move a little bit in Instagram, there's some of that behavior, but those are some of the top line things I would do. Camille asks How would you raise money for a college business club? We'd love to bring more members to a New York City competition. Camille, I think raising money is all about asking. I would, uh, let's make pretend Steve and I would, were partners. Steve, we need to raise more money. Okay. Uh, who do you know? <laughs> is, do you have a rich uncle? Yeah, yeah actually, I do. <laughs> Weird. Let's call him. And so that's basically, that was funny. That, that, was, uh, that was basically what we would do. You'd have to, what I think you need to do is you need to map uh, the 1,000 people that you can ask all the way from, and you notice I went uncle to... Hey, that kid in our school looks like he dresses extremely well. He might have some money. Like I'm not kidding. Like you, raising money is is called asking for money. So you have to get into the behavior of asking for money. Uh, so you map on piece of paper, handwritten. You know, collect the data. Who are you going to ask for money? You start with your mother <laughs> and yeah. you, the people that you're closest to. Or, for me, one of the biggest things I do in business is I start with, you know, I can think of three or four executives right now that I could ask anything for because I brought them so much value. Remember why I like jabs so much? When you really need it. It's nice to be like, hey Rick, I need a million bucks. And when Rick knows that I've disproportionately put eight million in his pocket, he still may say no. And remember, if you ever read the article, I'm still okay with that, but it's nice to know that Rick would be at the top of the list along with Uncle Milford. Rich Uncle Milford. <laughs> rich Uncle Milford, you know what, a rich uncle, you know what, I want it. <laughs> no. Andrew, Andrew. Get in here. Next question. Um, Alright, video question from someone I think you know. Hey, <laughs> VaynerMedia employee. We doing, oh, we okay, got it? In. Get in here, Andrew. What's up? Uh, the up? The is very excited about this moment. Uh, don't worry, I'm not, <laughs> te- I'm not <laughs> testing your Jets fandom. I need you to make a new shirt for our collection. I okay. want it for next week's episode. Yeah. A Rich Uncle Milford. Rich Uncle Milford. We, right. we created a fake character here. His name is Rich Uncle Milford. He's gotta yeah. be wearing a sweater It's gotta next. say Rich Uncle, don't give him creative. Rich <laughs> Uncle Milford. <laughs> and then just, okay. and you're good at drawing, draw Rich Uncle Milford. All want right. some bucks? Sweet. Hey, nice little chest. Uh, Alright, um, get out of here. Alright, thanks. <laughs> our best. think about it. Make, yeah. make him look like an old version of Stunwin. Uh, that's what I was thinking. All right. Let's I mean, do this. You're going to wear it. Too. Hey, Gary, the sandwich enthusiast here. Sam. You talk a lot about how video is the future of social media. How do you decide which video content goes on which video platform? And secondly, if the New York Jets wear a sandwich, what type of sandwich would they be? Ah, you fabulous. keep answering questions. I'll keep making sandwiches. That's my man, hey Gary, Sean. Oh, oh. you always get caught with that. That is a wonderful VaynerMedia employee here, Sean. Um, uh, You know, I reverse engineer audiences, so Facebook's incredible and I have a a complete hard-on for Facebook because if I want to make a video for a 60 to 80-year-old female, I know what kind of content goes there versus a 30 to 35-year-old male who's a Jets fan who lives in New Jersey. I can curse there, I can be Jersey, right? Like if I'm doing a video for 52 to 58-year-old females who are fans of Joel Olstein and live in South Carolina, it might not be the right video to be like, you, that, that, that might not work, right? So so one, I love Facebook for that because I feel it gives me the whole breath. Instagram, skews 40 and under. Snapchat, I get real silly. I can be really ridiculous, like rainbows, ah, you know? Uh, and so, uh, so it's about reverse engineering the audience. Who's gonna consume it? Where's it gonna be? Uh, Twitter, because I think it's more news oriented, more things of that nature, so maybe a video where I'm talking about breaking news or my thoughts. Like my thoughts on Snapchat. Uh, or uh, the other day, that would've been a video I would've definitely debated to go into Twitter because so many people in the news world are hardcore on Twitter, so if they saw that, they retweeted, I get distribution. So it's reverse engineering, reverse engineering, Sean. If the Jets were a sandwich, they'd be a sloppy Joe. (laughs) Excellent. Thank you. Kyle asks, when was the last time you were wrong and how did you handle it? Kyle, this is a great question. Damn it, Mm -hmm. Stunwin. I'm wrong a lot. I don't talk about being wrong a lot because here's the secret weapon. Guys, it's taken 141 episodes to get to the secret weapon. Stunwin, the secret weapon to why I am the way I am. Stefan, I need massive graphics right now. Give me some like rockets coming up here. Secret weapon. I am wrong so much. It's kind of scary. But for some unknown reason, I haven't fully quantified this, I'm not capable of giving it much thought. And actually spend zero time post-gaming it. I don't microanalyze for hours, days, weeks, months, years, and this is for some of you out there, lives. For your whole life. You're micro-analyzing why you made that mistake. You know, here's a good mistake. I passed on Uber's angel round and left $200 million cold hard cash out of my pocket in a world where my game is being a businessman. I would argue that my biggest mistake is disproportionately bigger than any of my victories. (laughs) I just don't, you know, I'm just not crippled, by. I have friends who passed on things and they just can't ever get over it. Get over it. So. Uh, what was my last mistake? I probably made one in my last meeting. I'm probably making one right now. You know, like, I, I make tons of wrong hires. I, I, I say things that don't sell in a meeting. I make bad investments. I, I make wrong strategies. I started four massive initiatives for VaynerMedia this year. Two crushed, two are failing. Like, I mean, I, you know, I make mistakes all day. I just don't respect my mistakes. Best Wine Club asks, how do you define value wine, and what are a couple of your favorites? The way I define value wine is by tasting, I have a great palate, a deeply knowledgeable wine palate at this point. I would like to say so myself, but this answer's for anybody who's, who's into wine. When I taste something that I know tastes a hell of a lot better than what I paid for it, it's obvious. To me, it's very obvious. Uh, the chocolate box that we're selling today on Wine Library, a big push. Actually, here comes, right hook. Put the big label here and link it up, Stefan, (laughs) in Facebook and YouTube. Guys, you should buy this wine. It's $13.88. It tastes like it's a $35 wine. The end. That's value. Uh, So to me, when I, you know it's like that senator who said, when I were defining pornography on the internet, uh, on Capitol Hill, and he was like, I don't know how to define it, but when I see it, I know what pornography is. I can't fully define it for you, but the second I taste it, because I have context at scale, I know what it is. Uh, uh, and so to me the thing that you should be thinking about is um, tasting wines if you like them and you feel good about what you paid for it uh, I'll give you a couple fun facts so I gave you the chocolate box I would say Portugal's a great region to try a lot of value um, for sure the Italian reds there's a ton of value in uh, non Chianti's, uh, Tusc- non Tuscany, non Piedmont there's a lot of stuff but just try a lot of wines in the 8 to $15 range. It's an incredible sweet spot. There's a ton of wine. And so why don't we take this answer and this question and write an article on GaryVanertruck.com of my eight, uh, let's do this, my 11 favorite wines at $11 and under. Mm-hmm. And then we'll link it to this and we'll catch up with it. So that was actually fun. A little more wine once in a while. That's it? Official prediction time, guys. I, I predicted the Jets would be two ten and six uh, in last episode. I had the Colts as one of the Jets' losses, um, but I'm affected by last week. We got to see everybody play in real time, and I think the Indianapolis Colts are broken in the trenches on the offense and defensive line, which is like the core of your. You know, Mike, the trainer, taught me my core was very important. That to me is the core of a football team. The trenches. I think they're broken, and I think the Jets ride the momentum of last week's win in second half and and stun the Indianapolis Colts on Monday Night Football, which I will be there, I'm gonna make a sign. Marshall, and then the end's gonna be A-D, and Fitzpatrick. So I'm gonna try to get on TV, look for me, and uh, as a matter of fact, d can somebody make that sign for me? I can't make signs. Anyway, but, <laughs> real quick, uh, 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 the official score of the game is, I think the Jets score, I think the Jets score in this game, I'm going 26-21 New York Jets. It's not over, D-Rock. I'm doing the whole, you know, (laughs) statement of the day. And then I, uh, I, you know, I don't know if you missed the cadence of how we do it here. Uh, Statement of the day, what is your lock of the week? I like the football stuff. And then please, again, feedback on today's show. What do you think about the questions, the answers, give me some feedback on the wine stuff. Is that fun to interject? we go in other directions? Trying to get a little more detailed in some stuff as well. Uh, You keep asking questions, I'll keep answering them.